This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. I'd like to clarify that the most recent executive order does what it does and does not mean. This is not a travel ban. This is a temporary pause that allows us to better review the existing refugee and visa vetting system. All right. So that is the uh, Department of Homeland Security Secretary John Kelly today. Time to clarify what this executive order does. There has been so much confusion, so much outrage in recent days, and I don't know that the administration has helped to that end. Uh, When you have the president on Twitter calling it a ban, and then today his press secretary trying to explain how it's not a ban, that's not helpful. There were even stories that the secretary himself, Mr. Kelly, was kept out of the loop when this was announced on Friday. But all of that said... Is the secretary right? Is this not a ban? Is this a temporary measure that allows the administration to review these processes and then make necessary changes in three and in four months? So do people have a full understanding of exactly what this is and what this is intended to do? Well, to that end, there was a helpful piece published at National Review by somebody who has certainly been critical of Trump himself. In fact, at one point last year, was rumored to be considering a third-party run uh, against Donald Trump. David French uh, is a staff writer for National Review. He's a senior fellow at the National Review Institute and is also an attorney in constitutional law. Mr. French, thank you so much for joining us here. Welcome to the program. Well, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. All right. In terms of what you've been seeing and hearing, I mean, obviously something struck a nerve with you. Something prompted uh, you to write that piece, to to set the record straight. What what concerned you most about how that was being covered? Well, you know, I, I... As the as the uh, order was signed Friday, Twitter reacted as if Japanese internment was being put into place. I mean, the the things that you were seeing were so far out of bounds with my understanding of the order that I actually couldn't wait to read the text. <laughs> uh, the, and this was one of the administration's problems; so they didn't put the text online immediately. Well, when it went when it went up, I realized that this is that the reaction to it was so far out of proportion to what the order actually said. And so I wanted to write about what the order said and put it in some historical context. Now, I guess part of the context is what Trump himself had campaigned on, a promise to bring in a, a, a ban on, on all Muslims. And, and certainly we see Muslim-majority countries targeted in this executive order. So are people taking the campaign rhetoric and interpreting the executive order that way? Oh, I think that's unquestionably true when the reality is and, – and also not just the campaign rhetoric, his own rhetoric over the last few days where he's dramatically exaggerated what this order does. I mean what it actually does, what it really does is it's not actually even a ban. <laughs> There's no ban in the order. There's a pause with the allowance that um, individuals can be admitted on the on the basis of the Secretary of Homeland Security or Secretary of State's determination. So – as we see, 872 refugees are being admitted today in the middle of the ban, so-called ban. Um, interpreters and translators have been admitted. Uh, so it's, it's a pause that people can still come in when there's good reason to come in. So the, the climb down from his campaign rhetoric from a Muslim ban is very, very dramatic here. But it's almost like he was continuing to use the campaign rhetoric while signing an order that was nothing like it. That's an interesting point. Now, you did mention some of the confusion around uh, green card holders uh, and certainly yes. the concern that, that American allies in Iraq, for example, translators would be caught up in this. Does, does that seem to have been straightened out yet? 
I think it's straightened out, but think how much damage was done. I mean, if they had rolled this out sensibly and said, here's what we're doing, we're bringing refugee admissions into a, a level above the Bush administration levels, but slightly below Obama administration levels, we're taking a 90-day pause on uh, admissions from jihadist war-torn countries, uh, but we, we will allow hardship admissions, same for refugees, except 120 days, and we'll allow hardship admissions. And green card holders can come into the country, and if you're in transit, you can come into the country. There wouldn't have been – I mean, there would have been an outcry because people disagree with the order, but the kind of frenzy that you saw – and there's a saying, you only get one chance to make a good uh, first impression – uh, that was a chance right there. That was Trump's first chance to make a, an impression to all those people who are not solidly behind him uh, about his con- not just his philosophy on handling uh, refugee admissions and immigration, but also uh, the competence in rolling it out. Uh, I think his policy, the actual policy, can command some pretty broad support from Americans. I don't think that the Im- implementation, at least over the weekend, necessarily did. What about the the court injunction that the ACLU won? Because uh, that certainly made it seem as though that the Trump had acted hastily and maybe acted in an illegal or unconstitutional way. But what was the significance of that injunction? Well, yeah, the the injunction was very narrow, actually. So essentially, the the genesis of that is this absolute mess that arose when when Steve Bannon reportedly intervened to make sure that green card holders, these are legal permanent residents of the U.S., were stopped. Um, a green card holder is somebody who has been vetted and vetted and vetted again to get that green card. And uh, the idea that they should be stopped uh, without prior guidance and that Steve Bannon would overrule the, pre- the Department of Homeland Security guidance on that position to try to stop them, you know, that's so incompetent and almost strikes me as perhaps malicious or cruel. And, and when that happened, then the court acted and it was very narrow. It didn't block the entire order, but I do think it set a public tone that said that the Trump administration was acting lawlessly um, when it, it particularly in its application to green card holders. So I think that you know all of that again c- contributed to the chaos and frenzy over the weekend, which was so avoidable. It was so avoidable. Now, as you say, this is meant to be temporary and to give the the uh, administration some time to review whether these screening processes, vetting processes are, are adequate. Is there, in your view, David, sufficient reason to believe that there are shortcomings in, in the vetting process? Oh, absolutely. Now, that's something that I think um, where the Trump administration is on very, very solid ground, because if you look, for example, at the rate of terror investigations and discovered or executed Islamist terror plots. The terror investigations right now are at a rate not seen since 9-11, with the immediate aftermath of 9-11. And the rate of executed or attempted terror plots, Islamist terror plots in the U.S., has almost tripled in the last two years from the, from the pattern since 9-11. And that coincides with the rise of ISIS and ISIS very deliberate strategy to try to radicalize people in the United States as well as infiltrate the ranks of immigrants and refugees. And so the idea against that backdrop, where we've had more casualties in the last two years than we'd had in in the combined total since 9-11 of the previous, say, 13 years, um, yeah, I I think a pause and a reevaluation of security measures is very, very prudent. And, And to cast it in those terms 
I think uh, most Americans would say, okay, I, I understand there's an escalating threat. Let's take a let's take a good hard look at what we're dealing with. Right, and maybe in that sense, then the the proper time to judge this policy is in three or four months. If if in three or four months, they say, okay, here's the changes we're making. We're now lifting this temporary ban. That would be one thing. If they say, well, you know, we're just going to make this a permanent ban, I guess we can judge them accordingly then, too. Right. I mean, there's a whole array of things. You know, you could say, well, we're going to lift the ban as applied to our ally Iraq, and uh, but we're going to keep it in, in place in Yemen, which is just a country that's falling apart and overrun with jihadist violence. And you know, I don't think that America, and we, with, again, with a caveat that we can make case-by-case exceptions for hardship or in the national interest of the country, I think people would be okay with that. Um, if, if there's a country like a Yemen or a, a, a Somalia where the ability to vet people is limited by the fact that there's no f- truly functioning government there, plus we don't have a strong diplomatic presence there, then, you know, that that's prudent. It isn't, it's not cruel, it's prudent. So, I think that there is um, there's a range of options available to the administration, and the the question is, will they exercise those options competently? And that's where we got to wait and see. What about on the Syrian question? Because there's uh, an indefinite uh, ban, I guess, an indefinite right. delay on accepting uh, Syrian refugees. Now, obviously, that may then impact uh, people who are not even necessarily Muslim. I know there's concern about Yazidi and, and Christian refugees, but. Also, a lot of these people who are coming to the U.S. and Canada, David, I mean, they, they're being resettled. They've gone through uh, a, a lot of screening processes with the United Nations and then also the U.S. and Canada. So what about how that's being addressed? Yeah, that, that's something that I think um, we, that's the population that ISIS has most immediate access to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, that, and that's why I think there's a heightened concern. And in fact, you know, if you look at recent American history, and this is I put out in my piece, until this last year to 18 months, the Obama administration had actually slammed the door on Syrian refugees. The first three plus years of the uh, Syrian civil war, when millions of people were being displaced, the Obama administration admitted less than 200 Syrian refugees. So it's very recent here in the U.S. that we've expanded admissions of Syrian refugees. And so, uh, again, I think the proof's going to be in the pudding. What, is, uh, what, are, what are the Trump administration's security concerns? What measures will they put in place to address those concerns? And what timetable? We don't yet know. But America has not been at any point in the Obama administration was it a prominent home for Syrian refugees. I mean, that really only increased in his last year. And even then, it was an insignificant number of refugees versus the total that we've seen in this, in the, in, that have swamped Western Europe. Right. So there's a 50,000 refugee admission cap in this policy, which, if it goes to to that limit, would actually be a lot higher than than recent years. It'd be higher than the Bush administration. It'd be slightly lower than the, well, and if it was 50,000 Syrian refugees, it'd be higher than anything we've ever seen by several orders of magnitude. But if it's, that's a total cap, and that's a little higher than what the Bush administration did and a little lower than what the uh, uh, Obama administration did. And and is it possible, and I guess is it also legal and prudent, to, to be giving priority to Christian refugees or Jewish refugees or Yazidi refugees? Well, not only is it possible, American law has always said that you uh, can and, mu- and in some circumstances must consider religion in a, a refugee or asylum determination. Indeed, the very definition of a refugee under American law includes consideration of religion. 
And in fact, in recent years, uh, there's been a Lautenberg Amendment and other amendments that have prioritized religious minority immigration from other nations. So this is all ha- this all has precedent. Um, the one of the reasons why there's a consideration of, of minority religious minorities is, for example, even though Christians comprise you know, depending on who you talk to, 5 or 10% of the population of Syria, the number of Christians who are specifically targeted for genocide by ISIS and other jihadists, the number of Christians who've immigrated uh, to the U.S. as part of the refugee population is 0.5%. So there was a dramatic underrepresentation of Christians who'd been specifically targeted for annihilation. And so in that circumstance, it's not just lawful, it strikes me as reasonable and maybe even necessary to try to correct that. All right. Well, some important points. People can uh, find your piece, uh, read it in its entirety, nationalreview.com. David French, thank you so much for joining us here today. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it very much. Take care. David French, uh, he writes for National Reviews, a senior fellow of the National Review Institute, uh, and he's an attorney in constitutional law. So the headline in his piece, Trump's executive order on refugees separating fact from hysteria. So going through and looking at what this actually does, and certainly he's got a lot of reasons to fault and criticize the administration for how they've handled this, how maybe they've used rhetoric from the campaign to try to blur, blur rather, uh, some of the, the shortcomings. Or more to the point, I guess, how it doesn't live up to what Trump promised during the campaign. Uh, so there you go. So some interesting thoughts on what this actually accomplishes. And again, we'll, we'll see where things are at and there, there are a couple of different deadlines, 90 days and 120 days. What do they do at that point? Are, are, they, are they being honest and forthright in saying, we want to take this time to review the process and then come back in 90 days, 120 days, and say, look, okay, we did. Turns out this is fine here. We made some changes here. Uh, and now the temporary ban is lifted. We'll see. 403-974-8255. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.